Well, we are um, starting a new series on love, the way. Love the way. And it is a series on relationships. So we're going to be talking about uh, all kinds of relationships. But we're going to focus in, um, especially next week, on marriage. And then uh, we're also going to focus in on parenting. And this week, I'm going to kind of give an introduction. So this is uh, supposed to be a three-week series. And then uh, March the 3rd, we're going to kick off our Speak series, uh, which I'm also very excited about. But um, relationships is one of the most... Um, interactive topics that you will experience. Actually, you can put uh, this into practice immediately uh, with the person sitting behind you or in front of you uh, or to your right or to your left, uh, with the person that you live with, uh, with your roommates, uh, with your husband, your wife, your children, or with your extended family. Wow, extended family. <laughs> You notice I didn't, I should have done this series right before Christmas or right before Thanksgiving because <laughs> we know we're all going to get to see lots of people that we love. And there's something about family that um, it's nice, I guess, that people can let their guard down and be themselves. But sometimes uh, people use it uh, as an occasion to the flesh, as Paul would say, <laughs> so that you're just kind of going to um, kind of going to maybe say some things that uh, you should not say. One of my favorite proverbs is, There is he that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Amen. And so uh, the easy thing is just to say whatever you feel or say whatever you think. But we would all appreciate it if you didn't do that. <laughs> so that's step number one. But step number two is you go a little bit deeper. And you don't allow those thoughts to even be there to begin with. In other words, we're talking about matters of the heart. So uh, sometimes, well, many times, the flesh wants to uh, make itself righteous, uh, become right, and uh, clean itself up and, and look good. And the thing about it is, if, if you don't act in the God kind of love, you're going to miss it. And really, you're not walking by faith. And... Romans 5.5 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the very Spirit of God. But Romans 5.5 5 does not say that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit so we will not have to do anything. It will just automatically operate. You know, I think I said uh, two, two Wednesdays ago that... Um, when you talk about the love of God living on the inside of you or being on the inside of you, well, it would be kind of like if you ate garlic <laughs> and you received it like the love of God in abundance. <laughs> so if I had done that last night, everybody would be like, why don't you go to that section over there, right? Because it would be like an aroma about me. Because what would happen? Well, I put it in my mouth... And then from my mouth, it went down my esophagus into my stomach. And then it, it started to be digested as soon as I put it in my mouth, right? So the digestive process starts. But then what happens? It starts to permeate from the inside out. And so it starts to affect pretty soon every pore of my body. <laughs> and if I'm like a profuse sweater, that's really bad. <laughs> Some people, you know, like... Uh, uh, Brother Higgins always said, 
uh, I can eat a little bit of anything I want, but I'm not going to make a hog out of myself over anything. But some people get the idea like that uh, garlic is the miracle cure. <laughs> and so what you have to have is more garlic, more garlic. Jo Jody, I'm just going to look straight ahead. <laughs> and so... And so, like, they'll, like, load you up on garlic. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> There's a lady that I used to... Um, I can't go too far here, but it's a good... So, when I was at Ramah, the scripture, you know, I was studying the word... Uh, actually, this was before I was even a first-year student. I had to wait because they only let you start in the fall back then. And so, I moved there in November. And so, I had to wait nine months. Well, while I was waiting, I was reading James that talked about caring for orphans and widows. And so the Lord put it on my heart uh, to take care of a widow. And I said, well, Lord, where am I going to find a widow? <laughs> so the next week, I walk into the service, and I sit down, and this, I don't remember if she was already sitting there or she came and sat by me. I think she was already sitting there because she would normally be there pretty early. And there was this lady that just had like, white, white hair. And I sat down next to her. And before I even thought, in other words, I was unconsciously led, I said to her, do you need someone to mow your lawn? Mm -hmm. And she said, I just prayed and asked the Lord to send someone to mow my lawn. <laughs> and I said, well, here I am. <laughs> what do you need? And so uh, anyhow, the reason her name was Helen, she was a sweet lady. She was one of the prayer warriors of Raymond Bible Church. And uh, she's gone on to heaven now. And um, we had a wonderful arrangement. Uh, I would go and I would uh, mow her lawn, take care of her lawn, change her light bulbs, do all this type of stuff for her, you know, uh, as service to the Lord. And uh, uh, she did my laundry. I was a single man. <laughs> and so it was great for me. She's like, bring your laundry, bring your laundry. I said, okay. And, and so it worked well. But she was always, if anybody had anything, she wanted to give you echinacea, I think it was. Echinacea. Here, take some echinacea. More echinacea. Echinacea. I'm like, oh, I don't need any echinacea. <laughs> So all that stuff, where's Jody? All that stuff is fine as long as you put God first, you know, because there is a natural side to things. Mac Hammond, who I respect greatly, has a very large church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, he was, I, I, I would maybe tend some ways like him. And so he was always like, all oh, these people on this health stuff and you're doing this and you're doing that. And he's like, I think it's a bunch of garbage, you know. Uh, but then um, he got uh, diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. And uh, so he sought the Lord about it. And the Lord said, uh, your eating habits are horrible. And you need to cut out this and this and this. And he did. And within a year, by following the Lord and changing his eating habits, completely cancer-free. Mm, so whatever he says, like Jesus said, Jesus' mother said, whatever he says to you, do it. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes we kind of add stuff onto there. So that was a really extra. Maybe that was just for Jody or whoever. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm picking on Jody today. We love you, Jody. <laughs> so if you're going to receive from the Lord, uh, you're going to receive, as we said in the time of giving, by faith. And if you're going to have successful relationships, it's going to be by faith. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 8 quickly. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. 
And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, I think the Spirit of the Lord did a really good job of kind of like pinpointing all these areas that self-righteousness tries to prevail in our lives or tries to raise its ugly, ugly head. If you want to see who Jesus was the most harsh with, it's the people that were acting in self-righteousness because uh, God is not in that whatsoever. My favorite translation says uh, it amounts to absolutely nothing. In other words, when you add it all up, that, that, that adds up to basically absolutely nothing. It's not going to do you any good. So you can have all the faith in the world so that you could remove a mountain. But I see people that think that they have that kind of faith. And their main, uh, if they probably aren't even aware of this. But their actions communicate that their main goal is to tell you everything they know and basically to say you're doing everything wrong. Well, that's not the love of God. The love of God, even if someone is missing it concerning the word, the love of God comes alongside and links arms with and said, let's do this together. We're not going to let the devil have you. We're not going to let people try to destroy you. We're going to walk with you in the ways of God. We're going to see God show up in your life. You know, Pastor Mark, I don't remember which city he was in, but he was telling us one time that uh, he showed up and he had to take a taxi. And, uh, you know, a taxi driver uh, was of a different religion. Uh, No, actually, used to be a Christian and really backslid. And uh, he's in the car with him. He said, how are you doing? Do you know Jesus? He said, well, I used to, but I'm kind of out of things now. And he said, you know what? The blood of Jesus that was shed was shed for you in your situation. And God loves you. And he made provision for you. And and he told him some situations the man did. And so he just said, let's just agree right now. You know what? That man just melted. His heart just melted. And I think of, when I think of uh, talking to people about the Lord, I think of uh, my favorite case is the woman at, at the well. And Jesus just began talking to her concerning what she was doing naturally. And he said, you know, there is a source of life. Yeah. There is a source of, that will quench your thirst forever. Mm-hmm. And his name is me. <laughs> Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd ask him, mm-hmm. you know, that you're drawing water for, and he'd give you water that you'd never thirst. So love never fails. And love is the way that you actually profit. If you want profit to your account, it is by acting in love. In other words, Jesus said, let him that would follow me first deny himself. And I love uh, Weiss' translation, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. He gives a little commentary right before he gives the the expanded translation. And he says, uh, it is a love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the one loved. In other words, you're getting this family get-together. The love of God will actually um, uh, urge you towards, draw you to denying your own self for the sake of others. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And if you ever learn to give from your heart, uh, you got to have another fix. 
You're like, that was good. That was some pure stuff. I never did drugs, so I don't know if I'm messing up the illustration or not. But let me just tell you, I don't know. By the grace of God, thank the Lord, you know. But uh, you can get addicted to giving. And giving requires denying yourself. You know, you could do something with those finances. You could do something with that time. You could do something with those uh, material things. You know, I watched a, I watched a, a kind of, I don't know if you call it a documentary. It was like a news thing, a news story from years past, and I don't want to get into that right now. But there was uh, uh, people that they were featuring, and, uh, you know, they had, they had millions, you know, lots of money and, um, back in the 80s. And so they showed pictures of them, and they had all these clothes that they were wearing. And even though the 80s came back, and I think now we're kind of going to the 90s a little bit, we're, we're fading into the 90s from the 80s clothing styles. These clothing styles, I didn't see anybody wearing that stuff today, and I had no desire for it. And I, you thought, like, they spent so many, like, 10,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, probably hundreds of thousands on clothes that even if you could make them last, in 10 years, you feel foolish for putting them on. <laughs> now, I have some clothes, but we won't go there, that, that, that have endured the test of time. But my wife just prefers if I do not wear them. So to keep a good relationship with my wife, you know. <laughs> So when you talk about the atmosphere in a home, that you want to create an atmosphere that's full of faith and full of love. And when you talk about an atmosphere that you bring when you get together with friends or family, uh, you want to bring faith and love. You surround people in faith and love. That means no matter what you look like today, no matter what you're messing up in today or what's happening in your life today, I choose to see you the way God sees you. And I choose to see the end of the thing. Imagine if the Lord dealt with us according to our actions instead of according to what Jesus had done. According to our mistakes. Well, he doesn't look like he has very much potential. I'm giving up on him. But so many times it's easy, especially with those that we're real familiar with, is we just get focused on the mistakes and the problems. And you know what? Sometimes we don't even let those things go. People actually have a change in their heart, and then they're really nervous to see family. Why? Because family kind of a lot of times tries to box you in and say, I know you. I know what you're like. You say you're a Christian. You don't act like a Christian. I remember when you did such and such. Who else talks like that? The devil himself. Because God deals with you according to the blood of Jesus, and even... As a predecision, before you make the mistake, he sees you in Christ. Reconciled. Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And God was personally present in Christ, reconciling the world unto favor with himself. Not believers, the world. So God already favors the world. 
All right. So when you have children, and you talk about raising children, well, man, I mean, you're kind of like, uh, I have to get to teach a message on raising children and being a good husband and, uh, and so on and so forth. Well, you could kind of get intimidated, right? Because uh, you're very conscious of your weaknesses and failures uh, many times. And, um, you know, you think, well, what am I supposed to do? What's the Bible say? Okay, uh, I feel like I'm not doing what I should according to my children and, and so on and so forth. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. This scripture, and then also we'll look at Hebrews 11. Those are going to kind of be our main scriptures for this series. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5. All right. Ready for another offering? I'm just kidding. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Moreover, we do not want you to wit of the grace of God. In other words, we don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God bestowed or given upon the churches of Macedonia. Two, how then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty just welled up, abounded to the riches of their generosity. In other words, uh, you've heard this before, that in a great trial, a very difficult time, and in deep poverty, deep poverty, that's when the poor people call you poor. Like, yeah. deep poverty. Right? They're like, they're poor. No, they're really poor. And a great trial of affliction. Not only, have you ever noticed how the devil deals with people? Not, it's like, if it's not just one thing, it's this and this and this and this. The devil has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And it is nothing about your performance. It is the fact, it's all about the devil. He's evil. And he wants to destroy you and to destroy your family and to destroy as many people with you as he can. I mean, in dealing with family problems, marriage problems, relationship problems, you watch people make just a small, slight mistake. And if they don't turn to the Lord in the middle of it, the devil will use that to destroy, not just like that marriage, but those children. And not just those children, but the friends, but uh, people that attend the same church, and on and on. In other words, he, he, he's out to kill everybody. He's nobody his favorite. And if you feel like he is like favoring you for a minute, that's just because he wants to wrap some, his little claws around you tighter so he can make you fall harder so he can affect more people. So when we're talking about relationship, there's really only one way to be successful in relationships. See, verse 3, For to their power I bear them record, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Have you ever been in a relational problem and you thought, I can't, I just, I've had all I can take. I've taken, had it, I got it up to here and I can't take any more. Well, that's just an indication that you are uh, looking to the flesh as your source rather than to the love of God who is on the inside of you. Verse 4, 
praying with us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. In other words, you have to take this gift. These are really, really poor people in really difficult situations saying, you have to take this. I, I beg of you to take this. Um, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Why? Because we want to have a part in ministering to the saints of God. Verse 5, and this is where I want to get to. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. In other words, if you're going to uh, excel in your relationships, you have to, first of all, if you're going to do something that gets you out of deep poverty in relationships, something that gets you out of uh, a great test and trial, you first give yourself to the Lord. Don't you try to do that in your own strength. You say, Lord, you know what? Uh, this person actually annoys me, and I know they shouldn't, and I know it shouldn't be this way, but I'm just giving myself to you first so that then I can give myself to them. So this is talking about finances, but don't limit it to finances. Because why? Well, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And if, if you can conquer the money test, Jesus actually said that conquering this test actually opens up to you the true riches. That means so much more than money. You know, Brother Hagin was, um, uh, when he was pastoring a church, he didn't have hardly any money, could barely, like, like week to week, just, just pay the bills and you know, at the church and himself, you know, their family bills. And uh, a guy showed up, another minister showed up on a bus. The bus stopped right in front of the church. And that's not a bus stop in Texas. So stopped right in front of the church because the minister that was on the bus only had enough money for the bus to take him that far. And the bus said, well, let him out. And he had no more money. He had been praying, seeking the Lord, needed money, needed a place to preach. Well, so the Lord uh, witnessed in Brother Higgins' heart, you need to have him preach for you, you know, Wednesday night, have him preach. So I said, okay. Well, he's up there preaching. The Lord said, I want you to give him such and such amount of money, which was one week's salary. And so <laughs> Brother Higgins said, he said, I didn't hear a word he preached. Because the whole time he's up there preaching, I'm thinking, Lord, we need money. Like, how, how, how are we going to survive? Like, like, what are we going to do? And, and you know, uh, he's just kind of going back and forth with the Lord the whole service. And finally he's like, well, I don't know. And the Lord said, well, you need to do it. He said, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Just give me a second. Just give me a second, right? So he did it. And, man, that minister was so blessed and just went on his way. And he said, somehow the Lord came through and we were provided for. He said, you know, it was two years from that time. Two years later, he was in the home uh, of a lady uh, with uh, three of the prayer warriors from the church and his wife, and um, they're praying, and this woman was uh, paralyzed in bed, uh, bedridden, couldn't get up, and so uh, as they're praying, the Lord said, don't pray for the woman, don't anoint her with oil, go stand at the foot of the bed and said, come out in the name of Jesus. Take authority over the devil. Rise her up. Well, she, he did and the Lord did. Yeah. And then the Lord spoke to him in his heart. And he said, if you had not obeyed me concerning that one week's salary two years ago, I could not have used you here. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 
when I was studying for this series, the Lord just put that scripture, it just came alive, and I thought, wow, that is a tremendous scripture for relationships, that you first of all give yourself to the Lord, and then, I mean, yeah, to the Lord, and then you can give yourself to other people. Well, it's the same thing. You can't love other people unless you first receive the love of God. So you have the, somebody said, well, I'm born again, so I have received the love of God. I don't think so. The love of God has been poured abroad or shed abroad in your, our hearts by the Spirit of God. But do you let that love dominate you? In other words, man, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So I have the greater one living on the inside of me. But I can tell you that I have been in some situations where I ignored the greater one. And I have been in some situations, you know, it's an issue of spirit, soul, and body. And this is where most people make the mistake. And this is why people get in fear and full of worry. And that's because they're thinking, oh, i got to go see so-and-so. I'm going to talk to so-and-so. And what's going to happen? Uh, they're thinking all flesh. You have to let the love of God dominate you. Do you know what it feels like to yield to agape love, which is the Greek word for the God kind of love in the New Testament, when you're in a situation where you just, could I pick on you? Where you just want to like smack the person, right? <laughs> Not you. You're so sweet. But when you choose... I keep my body under, I bring it into subjection. Yeah. Less when I have preached other. When you do that, do you know it's like an invisible backbone just comes up inside of you and you can like breathe deeper, have your shoulders back, and you're like, yeah. yeah. I look forward to the opportunity to show love in this situation. And when you show that kind of love, God is showing up yeah. in the situation, personally present yeah. in you. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> So, you know, well you, well, you say like, well, man, there's so many things I could do better in my marriage. There's so many things I could do better with my, with my friends, with my children. Well, let's look over at John. And we're going to look over at John chapter 8 and verse 49 and 50. John chapter 8, verse 49 and 50. Hallelujah. Um, I think it's Luke, actually. <laughs> yep, Luke. Luke, chapter 8, verse 49 and 50. Well, okay, what's happening? Well, in verse 41, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. And then in verse 42 through verse 48, the woman with the issue of blood shows up in this great crowd, right? And she, by faith, for she said, and she touched, she said, If I touch, then I shall be healed. And she touched, and she was healed without Jesus even consciously being involved. Because he said, who touched me? I felt power go out of me, right? Okay, so then she interrupts this, Jairus. Well, she delayed the Lord so much that Jairus' daughter, his only daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, dies. So she's dead because the Lord helped somebody else, right? Natural way of thinking. So let's pick up there, verse 49. Oh, no, verse 48. Uh, 
No, okay, verse 49. And while he yet spoke, there came one the ruler from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. In other words, there's no point anymore. Don't bother Jesus. Don't bother the Messiah because your daughter is already dead. It's too late. You made too many mistakes in raising your children. You, you've, you've flown off the handle too many times. Uh, you have uh, been rude to your husband or your wife too many times. The relationship is dead. Just don't even deal with it anymore. Don't even ask, don't even look to the Lord because there's no hope. It's beyond hope. This situation is, is too far gone. Verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. You understand, we're talking about family relationship. A father with a daughter. But it would apply to a husband and a wife. It would apply to a brother and a sister, an aunt and uncle. Do you understand? Like, fear not, only believe. But every input that you have tries to get you to fear and get you to worry and get you to be anxious. Like, 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 don't you know, uh, you've said too much. You've made too many mistakes. Uh, it's too far gone now. They're not going to forgive you. Those are not thoughts that come from God. Those that are thoughts are developed over life experience and thoughts that come from the devil himself. Because he's about dividing and severing and causing problems. So let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read a couple other translations of this. Don't be afraid, Berean Bible says, just believe. Contemporary English says, don't worry, have faith, and your daughter will get well. Don't be afraid, just believe, and she'll be healed. Don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. That's unlike Jesus in Mark 11, 22. Have faith in God. Just look to the Lord. Not only look to the Lord... Because that's not just faith. Have faith. Possess. Grab hold. Hold tightly. In other words, put your trust in God. Yeah. Not in man. Mm -hmm. And not in yourself. Not in any man. Hebrews chapter 11. If I can, if I can, I don't think I marked it. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. So how are we going to be successful in our relationships? It's going to be by faith. Well then how does faith come? You have to hear what God says about relationship. You have to hear what God says about marriage. You have to hear what God says about children. You have to hear what God says about uh, brother, uh, brother and sister in the Lord relationship, uh, family relationship. You have to hear what God has to say about it. So what we're going to do with the, just the few minutes that we have left right now is we're going to go through Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at every family faith situation. 
Because if you didn't realize it or not, there are a bunch of family faith situations right here in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 3, uh, faith understands. By faith, we understand that the world was formed. So faith actually understands. So if you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> if I have trouble understanding my wife, I need to act in faith. Well, that doesn't mean that I'm ever going to know everything about my wife. But by faith, by what the word says, I'll understand how to love her like Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her to nurture her, to care for her, uh, to put her first <laughs> by faith. Verse 5, by faith, we please God. Enoch pleased God. Verse 7, faith will save an entire household. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 11.7, by faith, Noah being warned of God. How did he do this? He heard the warning from God. Yeah. Of things not seen as yet. Mm -hmm. yeah. Moved with fear. This is godly fear. Fear is, can be negative or positive. But fear is understanding that there is a great power behind this that's bigger than me. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're saying like the fear of God, I'm not afraid the Lord's going to slap me. He already said in his word concerning that. Mm -hmm. He really slapped all my problems on Jesus. <laughs> but Noah, by faith prepared an ark to the saving of his house. In other words, there was destruction that was going to come from every direction, from above and from beneath. The fountains of the deep were released and water began to come from the earth, but also the fountains of the heavens gave forth rain. And so from below, beneath and above, his family was in danger. But God provided a way by speaking to Noah so that Noah could act on what God said, which is called faith, to the saving of his entire house. And not just his house, his faith then saved mankind. I like to tell my wife, because she thinks it's gross, that uh, we're all really cousins. I said, we're probably like 332nd cousins because everybody came from Noah. She's like, don't say that, don't say that. I said, well, it's just the Bible. It's just the Bible. Uh, faith obeys when it is called. Verse 8, Abraham obeyed. Uh, verse 11, faith receives strength to bear a child. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself, not somebody else, but Sarah herself, Receive strength to conceive seed. Why did she need strength to conceive seed? Because we know that her body was beyond the age where it could produce seed. But with God, nothing shall be impossible to him that hopes. No, to him that believes. 
Nothing shall be impossible to him that believes. Remember what Jesus said, and these signs shall follow them that what? Believe. There is something about believing, which is the action of faith, is believing. There's something about believing God, like Wigglesworth said, that will cause him to pass over a thousand people just, or a million people just to get to one person who's acting in faith. So through faith, also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who promised. What does that mean? You just need to find one word from the Lord and you judge him faithful. Well, what does that mean, to judge him faithful? We'll probably have to stop there today. What does that mean, to judge him faithful? Well, do you know, I've been, for, for a different series, I've been studying on uh, repentance. Did you know, like, one of the definitions of repentance is to stop and meditate on your life and the direction of your life and where you are headed. And you make based on that information that you're getting, you make a decision to go a different direction. Like, oh, look at the outcome of, of my trust in the Lord or my lack of trust in the Lord. I'm going the wrong direction. Uh, you know, things aren't working out for me. Well, that's because you're probably on the devil's territory, even though you're a believer. You've opened the door to the enemy because maybe the Lord has like put something on your heart and you're refusing him. You're not, you're not letting, you know, you're resisting him in this area and you think, I'm just going to resist him over here, but I'm going to be friends with him over here. And uh, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so through faith, Sarah conceived strength uh, to receive seed because why she judged him faithful well if you're judging a situation what are you doing we're so many times told not to judge but she judged him faithful in other words she looked and thought about look what the Lord has done here look what he's done here look what he did in the midst of an impossible situation with his own chosen people, with enemies behind them, coming up to an incrossable sea that would destroy. It was not some ankle-deep thing. If it was, it's a really a miracle that all of Pharaoh's army drowned in ankle-deep water. No, it says what? That when Moses stretched forth his arms, God did a miracle and congealed the seas. Like, whether they were frozen into ice or they just froze and became solid, they were stopped and they walked over on dry ground. So, Sarah judged him faithful. In other words, you look at your life. Look at what the doctors say. Look at what relatives say. But look at what God says. And you say, they say this, they say this, but my God has never failed me, and he never will. He holds the world together by the power of his word. In fact, you know God has never lied because the world is not flying apart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
she judged him faithful. Uh, you understand when you're in the midst of like a difficult situation, uh, you know, I, you guys probably know, I talk about the spirit of faith is like a basketball. You put it in a swimming pool, a properly inflated basketball. Thank you very much. And you push it under the water. What happens? Well, you know what? What happens? Like, it, it's difficult to keep that thing under the water because all of a sudden you do one false move and poof, that thing pops right back up. No matter what you do, it pops up. It keeps popping up, popping up, popping up. Well, there is nothing as sweet as having victory when defeat is in your face. That you say like, defeat is like staring you right in the eyes, saying it's all over, it's all done. Oh, praise the Lord. Here's the last verse and then we'll pray. <laughs> Jeremiah. I gave the Lord permission to interrupt me. So, if it seems like I'm just kind of going another place. Uh, the Lord put this right then in my heart. So that's where I'm going here. Jeremiah 23, 29. I'm talking about impossible relationships. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. You might not be able to figure out or think or see how that relationship could ever be healed or mended or fixed. How about instead of focusing on that relationship, focus on the rock of your salvation and that his word is like a fire that will burn out the chaff and break the rocks into pieces. Remember the word actually, God said, I'm going to take the stony heart out, the hard heartedness. I'm never going to expose myself to you again. I'm never going to risk this again. But the word of God, whether it feels like it to you or not, is like a fire and like a hammer. And it will destroy what the devil has tried to implant to destroy. It will destroy the destroyer. What? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Yes. It is the sword of the spirit, which is the words of God. So you bring the words of God to bear in that situation. Well, then you can expect the results of God in that situation. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, he loves you. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. You cannot clean yourself up to come to him. He's already done all of the work. If you're here this morning and you'd like to receive Jesus, please slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and for you. In an instant of time, you'll be in the family of God. Or if you're here and you were a Christian, and, but you let other things crowd in and uh, mess up your fellowship with the Lord, you're away from the Lord. Yeah, other people would say, Oh, they're fine. They're, they're, they're great with the Lord. But you know deep in your heart, uh, you need to come back and rededicate yourself to the Lord. If that's you, you here this morning, you'd like to do that, slip up your hand. Finally, if you're here this morning and you are born again, but you've never been uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Uh, Jesus said, when the Spirit of the Lord has come, he will speak. 
He said, wait until you be in due with power from on high. There is, there is an experience with the Spirit of God. When you're born again, you are born of the Spirit of God. But there's another experience called being baptized in the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit or receiving the Spirit. The Bible calls all three of those. That will enhance your life spiritually. If you'd like to be filled with the Spirit this morning, slip up your hand. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us the ultimate relationship that we could be your sons and your daughters and be a part of your family, that you become our Father. We look to you, our very own Father. Father, I pray for every person that's listening to this right now. Father, that you will quicken to us relationships, situations, and then how to put your word, the life of your word into practice in those situations. Father, that we walk in your kind of love, that we speak and carry the atmosphere of trust in you and love from you in every relationship that we encounter. We thank you, Father, for giving us the ability to have personal love relationships with people, with other people, and with you. Father, we pray that our, our relationships and our love walk would abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that we would approve things that are excellent and that we would be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.